0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kyle Berg. I am the youth intern here. Uh, I came into doing this um, through a friendship with Jay Murdoch. You guys know Jay, right? Kind of. Do you like? I mean, you don't have to tell me if you like Jay or not, but you know him. Uh, I really like Jay an awful lot, and Jay and I get to do cool youth ministry stuff together. And uh, he asked me if I would want to do a, a sermon series with him, like a part one, part two, and I didn't know how I felt about that at the moment. Um, I kind of felt, oh, I feel like maybe I have too much going on. And, um, but I thought about it a little longer and I thought, you know, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Uh, doing things with Jay is always fun and exciting. So Jay and I talked a little bit and uh, figured out kind of where we wanted to go. And, uh, and that's how I am sitting here in front of you. It's because Jay asked me to preach and, uh, and I decided to say yes. Uh, before we get started... Uh, i just like to pray one more time. Dear Holy Father, uh, God, thank you for being a God who loves us, who cares deeply about us, uh, who is ever-present, even when we may not feel it or be aware of it. In your name I pray. Amen. So I, um, you know, this message... Is called Wounded or Scarred. And uh, this idea kind of came to me uh, in light of Easter. It came to me um, just after doing some some thinking and reflecting on the resurrection story. And something that I became curious about is uh, why did Jesus keep his scars? I don't think he had to. He was a guy who had uh, helped or healed people from their inability to walk. He had given sight to the blind. He had restored a crippled hand to uh, look just like the other hand of that person. He had done many miracles and things. Um, As I think about it, he could have easily... Um, healed himself of his scars. He was risen from the dead. So I started started to really think about, like, why would he keep his scars? And I have an answer to that that I'll share with you uh, at the end. And, And maybe as I continue talking, you can consider, too, the question, why did Jesus keep his scars? I don't know of any specific biblical reference as to why he kept them. Um, If you do, tell me after. I'd love to hear it. Uh, I couldn't really find one. Um, But there's evidence that he kept them. Uh, In the passage that we just read and throughout the New Testament epistles and in Revelation, uh, Jesus is referred to as the lamb who was slain. Or there's evidence of him being slain. leads me to believe that he still has his scars currently. So, again, you know, why did he keep them? And it caused me to think more about scars uh, or wounds that we may have. And when we think about scars, I, I think about the physical scars that we can see and how uh, sometimes those are used as a, depending on the story, right? Sometimes some sort of badge of honor, like, oh, look how I got this scar. Or you want to hear this story? Uh, you know, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's uh, scary, Uh, but there's usually a story to accompany the scars that we have. Um, When I think about scars, uh, I think about my father. So when my dad was 24, uh, he was in a really serious car accident. He was driving with his brother-in-law late at night, um, and it was uh, late at night to early in the morning, and around 2 a.m., his brother-in-law was driving, and around 2 a.m., his car veered off the road over an embankment, and my father was thrown from the car, and uh, his brother-in-law um, lost his life instantly, and the car somehow landed on top of my father. And I, I like, he's told me the story when I was younger, and you know, I've reflected back on it. And last night, I was like, I wonder if there's proof of this accident, because sometimes people embellish things. Like, I don't know. And so I, um, when I get curious about things, I tend to go on deep dives. And so uh, I went online and I just kind of searched in a few things. And I found a newspaper database. And I typed in my father's name and kind of the year that I thought it might have happened. And sure enough, there's a newspaper article about it. And there is a picture. I didn't, I wish I would have thought to give it to Jay earlier and he could have put it on there. That's my bad. So there's a picture of the car uh, in the newspaper And it is mangled and wrecked and uh, I am amazed that my father survived that that accident just by the the picture of the car. Um, The car landed on top of my father and he had, uh, both of his legs were broken and he was laying there for a while and there was battery acid that was um, dripping onto his body. And, as the, uh, and he was in and out of consciousness. And as the paramedics or ENTs came, they or firefighters, they looked at the scene and they said, there's no way, like my dad remembers hearing this, man, there's no way anybody could survive this. And as they go to move the truck, they hear my dad moan. And then they stop moving the truck and they hear my dad moan again because they had lifted it and then dropped it again. So my dad had a, it was in a lot of pain. Um, my dad, his, he, his broken legs are healed, uh, but he still has the scars from the acid burns. Uh, he has scars on his arm, uh, on his chest, and on his back. And so, whenever I see my father, uh, especially like when he's wearing short sleeves, and I see his scars, I am reminded of the experience that he went through. I am reminded of the pain that he endured. Um, we all may have some sort of scar story. And, uh, like I said, the physical scars we may feel comfortable talking about, um, or the, and even the physical wounds. Uh, wounds are, I guess for distinction's sake, right? Um, wounds happen before scars, right? Like there's an order of operation. In order for a scar to form, there had to be a wound. There had to be something that hurt you or affected you in some way. So if it's a physical wound, right, something physically affected you, like the car accident uh, that my father was in. Um, For some of us, it may be, you know, surgeries that we've had, uh, or, um, you know, I I can think of scars, just accidents riding my bicycle when I was little. I have a nice one on my knee. Um, But it's not a a very fun or exciting story. Like, that is the story. I fell off my bike and I have a scar on my knee. Uh, but scars happen because of wounds, and we feel comfortable sharing the physical ones, usually. Um, but our emotional wounds are our emotional scars. Uh, we tend to hide. We, we hide them because they're already hidden for the most part. Uh, there's nothing physical to see from an emotional. Wound or an emotional scar. Um, And sometimes they reside uh, much deeper. Whereas our physical scars may be kind of anywhere on our body, our emotional scars tend to be uh, located right here in our hearts. Uh, Currently, I'm getting my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. I graduate in December and I'm Extremely excited uh, that graduation is coming, that I'm less than a year away, uh, and currently I am an intern at a, a small Christian school in Lakewood, and I work with little kids. I work with uh, preschool to fifth grade, and then I do a little bit with the middle school uh, kiddos there. Um, but I, I, I get I get the privilege uh, and sometimes the really difficult task of sitting with. Children, as they share these emotional wounds, uh, the the ever present pain that they are in, and uh, for thirty minutes a day, um, once a week, uh, that's the time or duration that I meet with each kid, uh, and we do things to discover uh, if it's appropriate and necessary. Uh, the origin of that wound Uh, because if we don't heal or we don't try to take care of our wounds they become much worse Um, in order for a wound to become a scar they have you have to clean the wound you have to bandage the wound and you have to monitor that wound Uh, I'm not a a medical professional but I, I think I understand that much that there is a, uh, you know, a certain amount of work you have to do to make sure that that wound becomes healed. Like I said, the physical ones are easier to see. Um, but emotional wounds are, are a lot trickier or harder. Um, emotional wounds come from uh, the relationships that we have with others or with ourselves, right? Um, sometimes it can cause... Immense pain. And if wounds aren't treated, they become much worse. Uh, I'd, I'd like for us just to, to take a minute and I want you to consider, I want us to consider, this is something I have to reflect on as well um, where are the places that we may, ha- may have been uh, emotionally wounded? What are the things that maybe we haven't quite dealt with? Because emotional wounds, like, because they're not physical and we can't visibly see them, we tend to just push them down. Does anybody do that? I guess you don't have to raise your hand, but I will. (laughs) If I am experiencing something that is unpleasant, uh, something that has really affected me in my heart, um, oftentimes I push it down. Because I think if I just ignore it, it will go away. If I just ignore it, eventually, uh, it'll get better. We often can hear that expression of, oh, suck it up, right? Or, you'll get through it. Um, While the you'll get through it part may be true, um, we have to do something for it, right? Like, we would never never allow a physical wound to go unchecked. For those of you that have children, uh, if they fell, hurt themselves were bleeding, um, I would imagine that at some point you would try to make sure that they were okay. You would want to check the wound, inspect the wound, make sure that it uh, will get the proper treatment that it needs. Um, But for some reason, we don't always do that with our emotional wounds. Um, We tend to just ignore them or or push them down. (sighs) But we have to figure out how to heal from these things. So hopefully, um, you know, we've kind of, we've taken a little bit of time, or at least I've offered it, but then I continued talking. Um, But I, I I actually, I want to, I want to give just a little bit of time. I'm going to be quiet. And I just want us to think, um, what are the emotional wounds that we might be carrying today? maybe something has come to you. Um, And I really want to encourage you that if there is something there, something that popped up, that I wanna encourage you to, um, because I think one of the best ways to heal from our wounds is to talk to people. Um, I feel like the last two years that's what I've been learning how to do, is how to talk to people in a different way and how to listen to people in a different way. Uh, and I, I firmly believe uh, that in order for us to heal from our trauma, to heal from our emotional wounds, we have to talk about them. We have to get them out there. And there is uh, there's obviously appropriate times to do that. And I really want to encourage you that if you do have an emotional wound, I hope that you know someone in your life or somebody here at this church that you feel like you could talk to. That you feel like you could share uh, the pain that you've experienced. Because when we talk about things, we have this beautiful ability to name it. Because maybe some of us have this emotional wound, but we just can't quite figure out how to express it. And I want to encourage you, one of the best ways to figure it out is to try to express it. Because when we can name the thing that has hurt us, it begins to lose its power. When we can identify what is causing us distress, it begins to diminish. Not all at once. I, I don't want anybody to think that. I mean, it could. Um, but I think that sometimes it's, it, it takes work and it takes time. But we have to be willing, I think, we have to be vulnerable enough to share those things that are really hurting us. I hope, I I haven't been at this church very long. Some of you have been here for a long time, Um, and and, and, and in between. And I would like us to consider, right, are there people here at this church that we feel comfortable talking to? That when somebody asks us how we're doing, we don't just give the, okay, uh, I... Anybody go to Union College here? Yeah. So, if you guys have been to Union College, you know Ron Dodds. If you ask Ron Dodds, how are you doing? What is his response? Do you remember? He goes, I don't know. That's my Ron Dodds impression. I don't know. That's what he does. Because, and, and I remember I had a friend stop him, one, or a friend of mine stopped him and said, Ron, why do you say you don't know? He's like, because I don't think you really care. I, he just takes, and not in like a, like a calloused way, but he's just like, you're just, you know, saying hi. You are know, not really asking me how I'm doing. Um, but if you take the time to sit down with Ron, and you say, Ron, how are you? Ron will tell you how he's doing. He's a pretty open book, um, but we, we tend to, right, in passing, like Brigida this morning asked me, how are you doing, Kyle? And I almost said, I almost said the, the whole, like, "Oh, I'm doing fine. Um, but I stopped, and I was a little more vulnerable with her. I was like, nah, it's been better. That <laughs> kind of a stressful week. Like, I, you know, you, you take a little bit of time to be honest with people, um, and you find that when you can get those things off your chest, you tend to be a little more the thing that you are carrying doesn't begin to feel so heavy anymore. Um, You know, Jesus talks about come to me because my burden is light. Um, I tend to believe that he says that because if we come to Jesus as a body of people and we give him our burdens, we're actually sharing the load together. Because it's hard to lift a heavy thing by yourself. But it becomes a lot easier when you can do it with someone. Our wounds need healing. And they need to be exposed at the appropriate time and to the right people in order for healing to occur. Because when healing happens, wounds become scars. And scars are the reminder of the thing that happened. Scars are the evidence of we have been through something and we are on the other side. A wound is the thing we are currently dealing with. A scar is something that says we have made it through. And I realize that that metaphor may be imperfect. Um, But it's something that I have been really considering. That when we share widely, when we do truth-telling that is is big and meaningful, when we can speak from our scars, we have a better perspective. When we speak from our wounds, we have a very myopic view of just the, the incident and event that occurred and how it has affected me. But when we speak from our scars, it tells a slightly different story. When we speak from our scars, we can zoom out just a little bit more. And I kind of think that's why Jesus kept his scars. I kind of think that Jesus kept his scars because he needed to remind people that we can get through it. It'll change us, and man, will it hurt. Because um, healing, healing is not pain-free. Um, but it's important to figure out how to heal from our pain. When I think about the disciples in that upper room, when Jesus appeared to them, because he appeared to them twice in, in, in what I think is the same room, um, the first time without Thomas and the second time with him. Um, but when he w- the in the first time, and I'll read it for us. Uh, I'm sorry I don't have it up there on the slides. Uh, in John chapter 20, for those of you who'd like to follow along, John chapter 20, verse 19. And it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. So there's a few things here, right? This is the first day of the week. And uh, so this is Sunday. Jesus has risen, but the disciples don't know it yet. They know that his tomb is empty, but they're not sure where he is. And they are terrified. And who are they terrified of? (laughs) The Romans, right? Yeah, they're terrified of the Romans. Uh, You know, here it says Jews, right? But we can look at that and we can know that they're scared of the Jewish leaders who partnered with the Romans to kill Jesus. The Jews labeled Jesus as an insurrectionist, and no government likes an insurrection. And the Romans killed Jesus as an insurrectionist. And what do you do with the insurrectionist followers? You kill them too. Because you don't want another insurrection. That's why Jesus was killed on a cross. It is the most excruciating, painful display of this is what happens when you defy Rome. Because the Romans were good at many things. They built impressive roads, aqueducts, developed an intricate uh, government system that we even model ours after, and they're also really good at making people suffer. And they had perfected it. So the disciples were terrified because that happened to their leader, and as far as they knew, their leader was dead. They had no hope. And when we live from our wounds, our emotional wounds, it can cause a sense of hopelessness. We can live through fear, uh, and that's one of the reasons I think the disciples were so afraid. They had lost their hope. They were terrified, hiding in a room. And Jesus appears to them, and he says to them, Peace be with you. That's quite, that's quite the opening. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what else he could have said. I'm sure he could have said many things. Uh, but he says, Peace be with you. But he doesn't stop there. If you continue reading, it says, he says, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then his, and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So the disciples begin in a place of fear for their lives and for their safety. And with a sense of hopelessness. Jesus appears to them, and he says, peace be with you, but he doesn't stop there. Because how many of us, when we go through difficult things, and when somebody comes alongside us, and they kind of just say, like, I hope you feel better. It can be a nice gesture. I'm not saying it's wrong. But if we really want to be helpful towards others, I think we have to take it just a little step further. We have to figure out how to connect with one another. And connection for the last two years has been really difficult. Can we agree on that? Connection has been really, really hard. And as we're coming back together, we're trying to figure out again how to become more connected. And especially today, um, I don't want to sound like those people, but technology, right? Like. Technology makes it hard, like, we are the most digitally connected, but the most interpersonally disconnected people ever. Because digitally, because we have platforms, and we have email, and we have text messages, we have all these things that insulate us from truly getting to know or connect with one another. And yes, technology can do really awesome things, like it connect us globally, for sure. But there is something about the physical presence. There's something about sitting next to someone, right, and showing them our scars. Being vulnerable enough to say, man, I hope you're doing well. I have experienced something similar. Jesus shows them his hands and his side. And Thomas wasn't there. Like, have you ever you know, heard of something so awesome and you missed it, right? Like, you, like you're, you, uh, all your friends or family get to experience this really cool thing, but for some reason, you weren't in the room. Uh, and Thomas, uh, I think sometimes Thomas gets a bad rap. I think, you know, Thomas is considered the doubting one. And, uh, and I just, sometimes I don't think it's fair, the way we treat Thomas because I think if I was in Thomas's position, I would be there too. I think I would say, yeah, right, man. Like, it did, like Thomas, you know, he's, he's always been the one, you know, him and Peter are pretty vocal about how they're feeling and doing. You know, like, Peter is that caffeinated disciple who will just say what he feels. And uh, Thomas seems to be the one who, who I think presents some perspective and sometimes a little bit of cynicism. And I think healthy skepticism can be a good thing. And so Thomas says, man, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and, the, and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. I love that children's story today. I don't know if you did that on purpose, Sandy. Um, but just that idea of like sometimes or at least what I took from it as I was watching, I was like, man, like, sometimes you really gotta see it to believe it. Like, There's a certain level of trust that we develop with one another, but it's nice to see the evidence. Like, show your work. <laughs> right? Something I hated doing in school for math. I just wanted to write down the answer. I didn't want to show my work. Um, but Jesus shows his work. And Thomas wants to see it. And Thomas has to wait eight more days to see it. Uh, which I imagine can be, a, uh, you can probably feel pretty bitter about that. And it's not like he knew it was going to happen. But can you imagine everybody else feeling super happy because they finally saw Jesus again and you are miserable because you missed it? Uh, because while the other disciples' wounds may have been able to begin to heal, Thomas is still fresh. Thomas is, Thomas is still scared. As a matter of fact, It seems like they all still kind of were because when Jesus appears again in verse 28, it says, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. right? Doors are still locked. There's still a little bit of fear there, healthy fear. Uh, It says that Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So Jesus appears again and does the same, same thing, right? Peace be with you. Like, I want you to figure out how to feel better. Peace be with you. And then he looks to Thomas. He says, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hands and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Believe what? What is Jesus calling Thomas to believe? Believe that he's risen for sure. But I wonder if there's something more. Because the resurrection is a beautiful, beautiful story. Because it's the resurrection that gives us hope. Jesus' crucifixion on the cross is extremely meaningful. But if there was no resurrection, what was the point? And please hear me when I say this. I don't want that to be a heretical statement. If Jesus never rose again, what was the point? His resurrection is what brings us victory and healing of our sins. Right, his resurrection is the really meaningful thing. Um, I I think when you look at that whole the whole three day experience of the passion, man, the resurrection is 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 everything. And I really appreciate the, the word too. Because Jesus wasn't resuscitated, right? He wasn't to the brink of death and then brought back. He died. And then he was resurrected into something new. And he kept his scars. He didn't have to, but he did. I personally think when our wounds become scars, our scars can become art, they can become this beautiful picture of what healing looks like, and they can become hope for other people. Jesus kept his scars to provide hope and healing for others. And as the musicians come back up and we begin to, to land the plane, um, I, really want, I really want us to, to consider this. His scars matter because his scars tell us that we matter. His scars matter Because they enable us to say, yes, we can do hard things. Yes, we can live through excruciating pain. Jesus did it, and he has the scars to prove it. Jesus' scars help us know again that healing is possible. Our scars our healing from difficult things, our emotional scars, can help the people in this room and the people that we know heal from difficult things. But we've got to be willing to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to share our scars. If we never share the things that we have gone, or uh, if we've never shared the things that we have survived, how will people ever know that it's possible? for those that feel incredibly hopeless. Hopelessness is a real thing. I see it in my work, and you don't have to be a therapist or a counselor to see it in the world around you. And as scars bring hope, I really want uh, is is a a huge desire of mine um, for myself and for our church community that we become people who are willing to acknowledge our wounds and heal from them. And once we've healed from those wounds, to use them, to use those scars as a message of hope and light for others. Jesus did it for Thomas, and Jesus does it for us. And I really believe that Jesus is calling us to use our scars to share his love and the hope that other people can have in him. I'm going to pray one more time, and and as I pray, I just, uh, I hope that we can consider this. Dear only Father, uh, God, you have really, really shown us that that we matter to you. You have shown us that we can do incredibly difficult things. Uh, Lord, you died and rose again into something new. Uh, You were not as you were before. Uh, And God, you kept your scars. To remind us that life can be painful. But that there is hope and healing in you. So Lord, as you invited us, or as you invited Thomas to reach out and touch the scars. God, I pray that you work in our hearts. That we can become people who are willing to allow other people to see our scars become people who are vulnerable we can become people who uh, just a body of compassion a body of hope and support to the people around us so God continue to work in our hearts that we can heal from our wounds and that we can become people with scars that share hope and light to a world that desperately needs it in your name I pray Amen.